0: Welcome to the Josh Bolton Show, where we dive into interesting and inspiring conversations. And now, your host, Josh Bolton. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. I don't see me though. The try your camera button on the bottom. Did you? Oh
1: wait.
0: There you go. Dang. Yay. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing okay.
0: Just okay? okay. Why not fantastic?
1: Um, I, I I actually have been ill, and uh, so oh. I run out of energy early on. And other than <laughs> yeah. this, as long as I'm not working too hard, I'm a lot of fun.
0: But <laughs> Sounds like you were a very busy uh, person in general.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, that's more fun.
0: (laughs) That's true. So where are you at currently?
1: I live at a retirement community called Mount San Antonio Gardens. It's a really cool place. uh, uh, It's half in Claremont and half in Pomona, California. Um, Okay. And it has about, oh, 480 people.
0: Oh, so busy place,
1: big place.
0: Yeah, um, big place,
1: 300 of them are what we call independent living, which is where I am. Okay. Um, and then they have assisted living and memory care and skilled nursing. And you go, you know, you go through the progression. You don't come here to leave. You come here to, you <laughs> to know, stay, to stay, but they have a, it's um, a near Claremont, and they have the Claremont Colleges here, and okay, I think
0: I know where you're at.
1: And so, I would say probably at least thirty percent of our residents are retired professors, and as a result, the 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 dialogue at meals and you know the events that we do and everything are really um, interesting. Because you have so many different points of view and uh, interests,
0: <laughs> I would think so. So, what are I want to say? What are some of the uh, the interesting things then?
1: Well, they have they have uh, a group that does uh, quilting, and they have groups that do um, put on parties, and then they have groups that bring in special speakers. Um, okay. Our special music programs. Uh, When I came, uh, I really, they had a lot of, they have a lot of really good musicians here that were people that were professors of instruments or voice or whatever. So uh, we have a lot of good music programs. And uh, uh, when I came, they had um, a visual aid department where, you know, for people live, losing their sight. And uh, anyway. Uh,
0: Did Mac- they, say they didn't see the area?
1: I, I, I came with a computer background, career.
0: Right.
1: And they had this room with a whole bunch of equipment in it. Um, different things that, like, read books out loud to you or uh, enlarged papers that you used, whatever. Anyway, and so they said, Can you learn how to make all this equipment work? And I said, Well, sure. You know, how, how, hard could, how hard could that be? Well, that meant I was in charge of visual aid, but I didn't know anything about how to <laughs> do visual aid. So that was interesting. I was supposed to go out and market this stuff to the troops and say, You know, we have all this equipment here that you can use if you're having a hard time seeing. Uh, it took me a while to f- figure out that that was my job, not making all the equipment work. Uh, and that was harder than I thought. Uh, and Braille came out often. They had a place in La Mirage. Uh, is that out by Palm Springs?
0: Yes, something. something like that.
1: Anyway, it's not there anymore. But they they would come out and they had this these programs that worked on a an iPad. And I thought, well, that would be really cute. I, you know, because I had, I had somebody gave Visual A seventy thousand dollars Oh so I okay. thought,
0: well,
1: I could buy like six iPads and you know, loan them out to people and teach them how to use it because this would be really great. Right. Anyway, so they came over with the programs on the iPads. And uh some of well, with all of them, you had to find the icon on the iPad. Yeah. Well, if you can't see, you know, that's kind of a problem. <laughs>
0: that is a little bit of a problem.
1: And then when you find it, depending on which one it is, you you, you do two fingers and a drag or three fingers and two taps. And um, anyway, I couldn't figure out how to use any of the stuff on it. Okay. I didn't think that was a good sign.
0: Yeah. A computer based woman like you can't figure out a computer. That's not good. Yeah. So anyway.
1: So I couldn't buy six iPads. And I think I was just as disappointed as Braille. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, so but I, anyway, I was here for a little while and there was a group that decided to do uh, community service okay and uh, cert, you know community,
0: yeah, I know what you're going for.
1: Anyway, so they have 18 hours of classes. But after you've had all those classes, you get a hard hat and Ooh. a vest and a backpack. Oh, I oh, see that. where's
0: this at? I want to sign up. Hey,
1: oh, that looks really good. I didn't like the idea. That, and they were learning all about how to bring people out from under the rubble, you know, after okay. the disaster. Uh, a community emergency. Rescue trauma, something. something. Anyway, so I didn't really want to do that, but I didn't want a hat and a vest. Um, and then they said, "Oh, well, we're gonna have, we're gonna teach people <clears throat> who want to learn how to do ham radio, and they can help in time of disaster." And okay. I, went, oh, I "I can do that. I learned how to do that." And this sweet man who is no longer with us was in charge, and he said, mm, It's technical. I went, Okay, yeah, let we me try. Anyway, so it turned out there were five of us that went and got our licenses. Well, this guy already had one, and the rest of us went and got them. Um, and so now that we had five people, Uh, Yeah, it takes four to make a radio station so we could apply to be a radio station. And we were an official, we were recognized as an official group. And we had a a mission statement here at the gardens. And I mean, this was this is important stuff. And there were five of us and I was the only female. But that was what made me unique was one of us had to be the trustee for the call letters. And you had to renew every 10 years and. The four guys were all over ninety, when I was seventy-five. So I got
0: picked. You're the I was to say you're the young one of the group. Yeah, I was the child.
1: That was long. That was a long time ago. I'm eighty now. Right? You're so still anyway. pretty
0: young compared to that.
1: Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that was that. I didn't know. Did you want me to talk about what I did before I came yeah. to the gardens?
0: Yeah, you were. Um... It was actually my would, father that referred me to you to talk yeah. about what you did with the, uh, in the um, 60s and all yeah. the uh, the ventures and all that. And then he also wanted to go into ham radio.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. The. Right.
1: Um, uh, I, my dad was in the service and we lived all around. Okay. Um, and uh, he was in World War One and World War II as a Marine. Oh, wow. And uh, so. Anyway, we finally ended up we had to buy a house everywhere we live because nobody would rent to Marines because they're, you know, rough and tough or whatever. And so we finally ended up with a house in Arlington, Virginia, one in Fort Worth, Texas, and one in Santa Barbara, California. And after World War Two was over, we ended up back. I mean, we started out. World War II in Arlington, and then we moved to Fort Worth, Texas, because they had some sort of a glider base, and then he was transferred to, he went to the Pacific, and then we got transferred to Santa Barbara to wait for him to come back, and we lived in a a Quonset hut camp with a bunch of other Marine families waiting, I don't know, I guess we're waiting for the ship to get there, I, I was young, young. And my name in those days was Double Trouble because that did fit. It did. And uh, anyway, so after he got back, then we went back to Arlington, Virginia, and we were there a few years and he retired from the service. Okay. And so there was some sort of a family boat and we ended up picking to keep one house and it was the one in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, obviously, I was not old
0: enough to vote because, well, anyway, (laughs) yeah, it was it was a different time.
1: Oh, it wasn't any, well, yeah, yeah, it was. It was worse. Well, no, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So we went there, and um, uh, I went to high school, junior high, and high school in Fort Worth, in. I went to college in Austin. I went to University of Texas. You know, we go hook 'em
0: horns horns. There we go.
1: And uh, I wanted to be a physics major. And so we get there and uh, I go over with my little, you know, agenda to give to the advisor. Okay. And he says, uh, I, don't, I don't think this is going to work. And I said, why not? You know, I, I figured out oh, what to take. And he said, well, the problem we have is that um, we can't we can't have any women physics majors.
0: Yeah, like I said at a different time because that would not happen anymore.
1: No, no, no. Well, it, I mean, it, it was fair. The The deal was they had only become an integrated university two years before I got there. Okay. And in Texas, the law was if you are integrated, you have to have colored and white drinking fountains and restrooms. And they didn't have time to build lots of new restrooms. So, they've just turned the women's restrooms in all the buildings for the sciences into colored men's rooms.
0: Okay. I...
1: So, the physics department, the chemistry department, the biology department, and all the engineering schools couldn't allow women to major till they fixed that. They fixed that past my time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It so, sounds uh, like it.
1: Yeah. I went, I was going to school on a loan. So I had to make money when I got out. So I had to go find another career. I mean, a major, you know, that made money and teaching wasn't it. <laughs> so um, I found out you could be an actuarial. Um, with a math degree. Okay. And I checked out the math, math department and they had lots of restrooms. So what more can you want?
0: You know, <laughs> See, back then, it sounds like you did that.
1: Well, I wanted something techie. And uh, so anyway, so I majored in math and I get to the my senior year and they buy University of Texas is very wealthy. And so okay. they bought the biggest, most wonderful computer they could find. If you saw Hidden Figures, that yes. movie?
0: Yes, I have. Okay, it
1: was that computer that they bought.
0: Oh, wow. a whole yeah. room right there.
1: Oh, yeah. Huge room and air conditioning and whatever they did. They took care of that. And uh, so we had they had two courses and they were just marvelous courses. Um, so when I got when I went to interview for jobs, lots of people came because the math department was really good. And so they were all people were coming from all over the country to hire math majors to be on-the-job training computer programmers. And uh, there was definite messages in the two courses I took about, this is what you say when they ask you questions. So I'm all prepared to go interview. And there were 30 people that came, and I signed up to talk to all of them. But only two of them would talk to me when they found out that a Marita was not some sort of Hispanic person. And... uh, so it was AT&T uh, in Kansas City and Lockheed in Burbank. And AT&T flew me up there, first class, stayed in a nice hotel, interviewed me, and then offered me what um, school teacher in Texas would make. That's so well. unfair. And they wanted me to. There was a room that had all these women in it. They were by hand doing the routing on holidays and whatever of all the circuits for the calls. And I was going to get that all programmed. And But they wanted me to fit in. So they wanted me to earn money like they did. And I went, well, that's not happening. And Lockheed had offered me about two and a half times what a teacher makes. So that wasn't a hard
0: decision. No, that's not hard at all. Simple math.
1: No, and so I went there, and in California, the weather's nice, and uh, it was under 100 degrees a lot of the time, in fact, most all the time, and uh, they didn't care that I was a female.
0: Oh, that's a huge bonus.
1: They didn't care that I was young. They didn't care I weighed 95 pounds, none of that, you know. and. The first thing they did was they asked me if I could program in Fortran. And here was the first answer that I had learned in school. Yes. Um, but every manufacturer has a different version of Fortran. So if you'll just give me the manual, I'll be able to do it. Um, and the reason for that was the class had been that you wrote in assembly language or machine language. hmm. Very, and I carried around two boxes of cards trying to do the equations for Simpson's rule. And I never got it to all work. In the last week of class, this guy got up and wrote three lines on the board, you know, and the, the second one was, or four. The second one was X equals to the square root of the blah, 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 and uh, then print X. And uh, he said, this is a language called Fortran. It's usually easier to use. (laughs) Well, you could see what all the statements did. He said, so you can figure out how to use it. So that's how I knew to say, just give me the book and I'll figure it out. And uh, then the next question they asked me was, we have a special project um, that you might be interested in. It's new to us. um, And it's, a numerical technique for nonlinear partial differential equations.
0: What is that? Just side question. On
1: and I said I can do that. Well, what that is is what I learned in the second class. Okay. He said the computer can't do anything but add, and you know subtraction is kind of a fancy add. So um, it can't really do anything exciting. Okay. And the best they can do is an equation, you know. It's pluses and minuses and whatever. And raising something to a power is a bunch of pluses and minuses and whatever. Anyway, so uh, they said, what you do is, is you go and you talk to these people and they want to seem important and like they're really brilliant, but they're just computer programmer people. And so they make up they instead of saying we have an equation, they say we have a numerical technique and then they put all kinds of wonderful words after it. But it's an equation. So if they tell you they got a numerical technique, say, yep, I can do that because it's
0: just an equation.
1: Anyway, so that was that was the project that I got. And it turned out to be the SR-71 spy plane.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And I. Designed the engine inlets, well, the program did, and it was really exciting. And they had never used a computer; they'd always used slide rules to design their airplanes before. So I had lots of lots of different people came and talked to me about and ran data through my program, and uh, but I I didn't know they didn't tell me what it was. They told me I was doing engine inlets in preparation for the bidding on a supersonic transport. Okay. So, okay. So anyway, I worked on that for a couple of years and I got done and we delivered it to NASA at uh, Sunnyvale. Right. And then this man that I just knew, cause he, he was a friend of, One of my husband's friends, Okay, he he came over and he said, I'm going to study sonic booms. And you already have a lot of stuff about more than the speed of sound. So let's use your programs that you've already got and help me study sonic booms. So we worked on all different kinds of shapes and heights and uh, speeds and whatever. And we couldn't get rid of the sonic boom. And he went, ah, well, that's a shame. Uh, And I go, well, okay, why? And he said, well, that means we can't have an SST in the United States. Because they're too, you know, the sonic boom is too detrimental to the land that it flies over.
0: Uh, For those who are not familiar, what's an SST?
1: Oh, supersonic transport. Okay. Like the Concorde was?
0: Yeah. No, I I knew that. I was just thinking, like, for someone just listening in, who who would have helped?
1: Anyway, so, but all of the aerospace, particularly on the West Coast and the East Coast, had been gearing up to bid on the SST. Which meant they were going to have a lot of layoffs because we didn't have an SST to bid on. And so I left Lockheed and went to work for a computer manufacturer that was an expert in real-time. Okay. So that means you do. Um, uh, a lot of it was uh, sort of preemptory, spacey kind of things or um, <clears throat> whatever anyway, things where you did the, the checkoff before you finally launched. So the, okay. only thing, the only thing that you did was say go or no go, but the computer had to check all of the places. Uh, and while I was doing that, I ended up working for a division at uh, TRW that uh, was building systems for power and light companies uh, to avoid brownouts and blackouts. Okay. So that was fun. and. The most fun part of that was um, I was having a hard time getting pregnant after my, uh, I got married a couple of years after I came and I met the man, he was fixing computers for IBM at Lockheed okay. and he was getting his PhD in math at UCLA. Um, so anyway. And then he he graduated and he got his first job at LSU in Baton Rouge. uh, And I thought I was going to get pregnant right away. I didn't. But anyway, so I've been trying for years, several. And uh, I'm working with the TRW. And we have a potential customer at Allentown, Pennsylvania. Okay. And so we go to fly up there. And I had been not going over. Had, TRW was located at NASA in Houston, and I lived in Baton Rouge. And so I just kind of avoided going over there. And we talked on the phone a lot, you know, and sent things back and forth. But you didn't have computers that communicated with each other like we do now. You
0: know, it yeah. wasn't an Internet. And that thing. Kind of.
1: Right. Anyway, so we went to Allentown. We all flew up there. uh, And we got there and it turned out Allentown Power and Light had hired a consulting firm to help them choose what was going on. And this consulting firm really liked to go eat at nice restaurants.
0: So
1: we, we, we we went to really great places for breakfast and lunch and dinner. It was just fantastic. And it turns out I had become pregnant and I was, oh, maybe five months along. But I, in the beginning, they would put me to bed. So I never gained any weight. So here I am and I'm hungry. And they fed us and I ate more than any human can eat. (laughs) And they kept looking at me and I weighed, you know, 95 or 100 pounds, something like that. And they just couldn't get over it. Anyway, and I did really know everything about the real time stuff and how they could use it, and how they could use it, use the computer to do other things when they didn't have a crisis. And it would just monitor what was going on and then it would throw them off if something important happened. Anyway. So it was a lot of fun. And by the time I left, they were really excited about the program and. Uh, in those days, it turned out I couldn't. Uh, I, you know, women wore suits that buttoned, you know, in the front and a little skirt that zipped on the side. And I couldn't zip it on the side. I mean, the zipper was like that. Right. Um, anyway, I gained nine pounds in three days there. Whoa. So I ate a lot. And I came home and Allentown Power and Light bought it. and. Uh, Then a bunch of other people bought it. So anyway, so that was fun. And what else did I do? Uh, Oh, and then TRW went and were selling, I have no idea what, uh, in Europe. And uh, by then I'd had the baby and was moved back to California. And I would work uh, swing shift down at... uh, well, it was now called Xerox. Okay. And I would do test things for them, uh, and they would. I, I would be on the phone with them, and it would be daytime there, and it would be nighttime, and I'd do different things to give them input for their customers. Right. Anyway, so but that was that was exciting, and the and the whole time, everybody was really nice. I mean, there was no. There was no female discrimination. There was no uh, whatever. It was okay that I could be a nerd.
0: Um, so where are we in the late 60s, early 70s at this point now? Early, early 70s. Early 70s. Okay.
1: And we are beginning to have computers that have terminals. So there was a whole lot of people logged onto one machine. Right. And then uh, I had a kid. Oh, okay. And uh, he wanted to go to nursery school when he was three. And uh, I couldn't afford it. Or we could we couldn't afford. Right. And uh so I said, well, I go back to work for a little bit. And I found a job that was consulting for a division of Time Warner. Okay. Over in Burbank. And it was uh, part of the music division. Uh it was called Warner Electro Atlantic. And it was actually just a distributional arm for Warner Brothers records, electric records and Atlantic records. And they had warehouses around the country and they were just buying a computer system to help them run the warehouse and give them picking tickets and do mm-hmm. invoicing and, you know, just real plebeian yucky, whatever. But they were trying to use, not use a big IBM computer, which most people in those days were still buying. They bought one of these little ones that had a bunch of terminals on it. And it had a real-time operating system. Okay. So that was where I came in, was learning, because I already knew how to use that sort of thing. Um, anyway, so I wrote a lot of software there and uh, learned a lot about uh, the music industry it's not not a very nice place um
0: yeah especially back in the 70s that wouldn't it's pretty uh little um well i want i don't want to say it too bad but more like raunchy than usual
1: yeah well i mean there were a lot of drugs i mean this is yeah. going this is going back to the era where Um, most of the upper management were Jewish
0: Mm -hmm. and,
1: uh, you know, the, the, the women wore tight jeans and t-shirts to work. Right. Uh, And, uh, most all of the executives had a secretary that was more than a secretary. Yeah. Um, So it was back to the old sort of discrimination era. And uh, I was there just as a consultant doing stuff, but it turned out I was the only one who understood how the whole thing worked. And we had other people there, but, The more functions they wanted to add in, the less the rest of them understood how we could make all those things work at the same time. Right. And uh, so somebody who was kind of a um, supervisor, I would say, left uh, to move to another part of the country. And uh, so they were going to name a new supervisor. And I was still just a consultant. I wasn't an employed. Um, but they were saying, oh, I think I, you know, I think they're going to name Jim, the new supervisor. I said, you got to be kidding. He doesn't know anything about what's going on. And I said, you know, it would be stupid not to name me. And they go, oh, we, we can't have a woman in that job. I'm like, oh, OK. So mm-hmm. I gave him two weeks notice and went someplace else. Right. Because it still, it was easy to get a job. Uh, I mean, and, and by then I'd had a jillion years experience. Right. So uh, I got another job. And then they came down knocking on that place's door saying, well, we would like to use Marita part of the time. And I said, OK, well, you pay them for the amount of time that you use me. And they said, no, we'll just pay you directly. And I go, no, no, no. You know, I don't want to jeopardize this new job. Right. So you you work that out with them, and uh, so I did that for about four months, and then they said, "Well, we need to talk to you." And this was the supervisor's manager, boss. And so it was a director kind of guy. Okay. And he said, I want to take you to dinner and offer you a job. And I go, you know, I, don't, I, I really am not interested. You know, I'm having a really good time where I'm working. and They're really nice people. And so he said, at least go out to dinner. And he named a really nice restaurant up near Pasadena where I lived. And, and my new job was down by the ocean. And uh, so I went, oh, OK, I could can, I can go to dinner there. Uh, So we went to dinner and he said, and he asked me a couple of questions about if I were, if if, how I thought the department should be organized, I think was how it was. So I drew him org charts and named names and who should do this. And you got to hire somebody to do that. And and he said, okay, well, I'd like you to do that job. He said, what would it take to get you? And I said, well, first of all, I have to have your title and your responsibility. He goes, okay. And I go, uh oh. And he, then I he asked called him, my bluff. <laughs> and then I asked him for um, twice what I was making at the new place. And he said, okay.
0: He's probably thinking, damn, this is cheap.
1: Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, he got moved sideways in the structure, and I came back and I worked for the, Chief Financial Officer, who was some this Irishman from the Bronx. Okay. Who was really smart. Okay. He was
0: a jerk, but he was really smart. Well, he's from the Bronx.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he was a great boss. And uh, so I ended up becoming the first female vice president in the music group.
0: People. Oh, wow. That's big. Even for back then, I
1: I helped Atlantic records get started with their own computer system. And, um, I helped electric records choose a system and find a consulting group to help them program. So I did a lot of good things, but it was not a pleasant place to be. And
0: even with the pay in the position, it wasn't worth it. Oh,
1: they didn't like me. They didn't like, I, I, you know, we had a meeting every week. Um, On Tuesday with the president. And so there were eight VPs in the press. Oh, okay. And uh, you would talk about, you know, what you did or, yeah, what you did. You didn't talk about what you were going to do. And uh, everybody at the meeting was afraid. I didn't know why. I just, I, I didn't understand that at all. Um and then we had some sort of a meeting where I, you know, you went with your spouse and you stayed right. a weekend in Ohio or Something. Santa Barbara or someplace. And uh and the president's wife ran a gin rummy game for all the wives.
0: Nice.
1: And so we went. I think this was actually in Santa Barbara. And that was the first one. <laughs> And so we went, and my husband went. He went okay. It was on a weekend. And uh, he took his bicycle, because he was a good bicyclist. And uh, so he was going to bicycle around while I was in meetings. Okay. I didn't see anything wrong with that. And so in the afternoon of the first day, the president comes over, and he said, uh, I don't understand. Tom is not participating in the gin tournament. And uh
0: wasn't for women.
1: Well it was for spouses, I guess. Oh okay. And I said, well, I don't think he wants to play gin with the girls. He's out riding his bike. And the president looked at me just in shock, like he just figured out I was a female. <laughs> I had ruined, I had ruined everything. <laughs> anyway so that was the last time that no it was second to last time that we all took our spouse in some place. But, <laughs> yeah, really a lot of a lot of camaraderie that used to go on um anyway so that was a fun place but i ended up uh going out on my own okay and uh Having my own consulting business and that that was a lot of fun. There were um, the computer manufacturer that was at the Warner Electro Atlantic that was the manufacturer of the machines we used had all kinds of clients and so they got me all set up with helping anybody that needed to improve or figure out how to do something. So life was life was good. Okay. And I only got called when they were gonna pay me, which was even better.
0: That's even better. So I'm curious for that. How did you how did you know it was time to go out on your own? Especially for the that time of history. It was hard in general to be an entrepreneur, but especially a female entrepreneur.
1: Okay. Well, my first indication was, um, you know, when I was having problems understanding why people were afraid. Okay. Um, I saw one Sunday in the in the paper an ad for um, executive education at UCLA Graduate School of Management. Okay. And it was a 9-month program, 4 hours one day a week. Um and they taught you all the things of uh that an MBA, you know, they just did an overview of all of the things you would get right in an MBA program and it was to help senior executives become more useful to your company supposedly. Okay. And it cost a lot of money. And in those days, that was $4,000.
0: That's um, a lot of money. I thought,
1: it was, Yeah, now it's in the same program. Now I think it's 16000 But anyway, um, so I went and asked the company because two of the executives had gone back and gotten a, uh, an MBA, a full MBA. Right. And uh, so I went and asked if I could go get this mini thing. It was just a certificate. But, you know, maybe that would help me
0: help the company, company,
1: you know. And they went, oh, this is great. So they send me off to this thing. This is really going to help Marita. She'll be a lot more tolerable. And. um, So anyway, so I go down and oh, it's an exciting program. I haven't been I hadn't been that excited since we figured out sonic booms. You know, it was just it was one of those really, really thrilling kind of deals. And, you know, you had stadium seating and your name in front of you and the professors were fantastic. And, you know, you were just glued to everything that was going on. And about two thirds of the way through the program, they had a thing about how you pick executives to do things. And now we're going to pick um, our class president.
0: Okay. And I got
1: elected class president. Interesting. And I was just, I was blown away. And I mean, you know, I mean, things just, things couldn't get any better. Um, and, but I asked him, why? Why? When I got there, I said, I don't understand why these people are afraid that I work with. Why are the other executives so fearful when we have the once a week meetings? And they said, well, you know, let's go through our program and we'll see if we can help you figure that out. Well, after I got elected class president, the dean of the graduate school came and said, I have to have a little talk with you. I go, "Uh uh-oh, what'd I do? And he said, you've been great. Everything's been wonderful. It's time for me to tell you why they're afraid. And I said, what? He said, you're too smart to be there. You need to go to work for somebody else. And I went, whoa. I said, they just paid for this. And he says, well, I'm just telling you, you need to go find someplace else to work. So armed with that, Now I know there's nothing I can do to make them like me. Right. And uh, so anyway, they did things and they would rearrange things. They took me away from the chief financial officer and gave me to this marketing guy who didn't know anything about money. Well, I didn't know anything about how computers can help you be better. Um, you know, how we could maybe mechanize something that was costing you people. Right. And uh, anyway, and a couple of times, the first time we got in an argument where he kind of wanted the computer to do this. And I said, but that doesn't make any sense. It would cost a lot of money and it's not saving us anything. It's not getting us anything. Right. He said, you know, when my wife and I have an argument we take a couple of days to think about it. And I went, you got to be kidding me. You know, I am not your wife. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need two days to think about this. And he said, well, if you're going to behave that way, then you can go back and work for the chief financial officer. who's a jerk anyway. And I went, OK. So I got up and I walked across the hall to the president's office and I said, current boss just told me that I should go back and work for the last boss. And I told him that would be okay. Okay. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. wait." So I ended up having to stay. That was when I knew.
0: It was time. Time. Yeah. Yeah. I say i want to say most business owners that's usually a very similar story details are a little different but it's usually it's when you're like like you the smart the smart person in the room it's like it's time to leave the room get go to a new one
1: yeah well it was yeah, it um anyway so it was fascinating um but i had a much better time working myself and then and then i only had to do stuff that was really going to be useful. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't been able to do that since, you know, for what, 10 years. So that was exciting.
0: That is exciting. So did you eventually get a whole team and everything or was it, was it you and just like maybe your husband running it?
1: Oh no, it was just me. Oh, Oh. back in the, at the time I left, I also moved out of my house. Okay. Yeah, after twenty-four years of marriage, it wasn't working, and uh, so I moved. And uh, at some point in time, I had taken a um, a test, a personality test or psychology psychology test okay um and uh, it was a lady in graduate school was practicing giving exams and so i took this one from her and i wanted to take it because somebody else i knew a guy had taken it and he'd come out as behaving 75 percent like a female
0: interesting okay
1: um you know in terms of his reaction to the world whatever, how he interacted with the world. Interesting. And uh, he had uh, he was a professor at Occidental College, too. And he had stayed with us a couple of weeks when he was redoing his house. And I had had a terrible time communicating with him. You know, I'd say, OK, well, we're going to have dinner tonight. Are you going to be here or not? Because, you know, you need to know how much food to have. And I didn't cook. My husband cooked. He was wondering at cooking. And uh, so he'd say, well, I don't know. anyway." Um, and then time goes on. And I, I, he tells me that about the test. And so I want to take the test. And meanwhile, I now treat him like I would a woman. I'd say, we'd love to have you come to dinner with us tonight. And he'd go, oh, that would be nice. You know, and you just go. Anyway, so I took the test and it turned out, and I said, I think I'm 75% male in the way I react to the world. And so she came over to the house after she graded my test or whatever they did. And she said, Yes, you came out 85% male, but I guess you knew how to take the test to do that, which I didn't. I know they ask you about bowel movements a lot, and I didn't understand that, but anyway. she said, but you have a very serious problem and Interesting. you probably need some therapy to work on. it." She said, you have an unrealistic. You're unrealistically optimistic.
0: Oh, that I say that is the key and trait for just, an entrepreneur.
1: You haven't learned how to be depressed. No. And you need to learn how to be sad. And I went, well, you know, if I'm going to be crazy, let's do it this way. I don't think I want to fix that. Right. And she was just horrified. She said, someday something's going to go really, really wrong. And you're not going to know how to handle it. So the week after I moved out and every day I felt better, um, I called up this guy and I said, will you call that lady and tell her? I started a new job. I left my husband. And uh, I'm feeling better every day. So that was fun. Um, so I just, yeah, know, I, I ran my own little world there. My son initially stayed with his dad. And then after a few months came and decided to live with me. Which was nice.
0: I would say that is very nice. A bonus.
1: Uh, you saw my ducks
0: yes i see them right now they're adorable what's the story behind them well in
1: the building i live in which is has a circle component to it with apartments around the circle and then a couple of wings off i'm in a couple of wings But in the middle of the circle, there's a tree and then then there's cement and whatever. And kind of near the tree, when it rains, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: a puddle forms.
0: Okay.
1: Somebody might consider that detrimental. But prior to my being here, somebody else had little toy ducks. And when it would rain and there would be a puddle, they'd put the little ducks in the final, that's cute. So one of the ham radio groups uh, gave out presents this last Christmas, and they gave everybody a little bag with stuff in it—puzzles mm-hmm. and things. And mine had a rubber ducky in it, and I went, "Oh, oh, this is wonderful! I, you know, I cannot wait." And I showed him, and it had like a little Christmas thing on
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and i made a big thing about it um anyway and uh so then two or three people went together and got me a box of 12 ducks different colors <laughs> uh, that's, so that's those are how good i got i i this the The pink thing that they're sitting on is a, uh, I don't know, thing knitted by somebody when I, a friend of mine, when I got breast cancer. And so some of the ducks are pink, so I put the pink on there because I did a lot of volunteer work for breast cancer. Okay. Stuff. Anyway, it's 1050.
0: It is. You got some events planned for today? Do hmm? you have some other events planned today?
1: Um, no, no, not not big events. Uh, I have to go walking. I, I'm working on doing more exercising. So good. It's not a community event, but.
0: Still, it's an important a personal event. You need to uh, make sure you do it. Yeah. So then, um, I got three going out questions for you. Okay. So other than um, walking in at your events at uh, your place, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy during these lockdown times?
1: Well, fortunately, I have a
0: cat. Ooh. become
1: been come a very good
0: companion. That's good,
1: and um, you know we have this this ham radio group, not the one your dad runs, but another one that he's involved in. Yes, that, he's involved uh, a lot. Uh, meets every night at eight.
0: They do. You're the one you're in.
1: Yeah, that not there's Takara, which is the one your dad is president of. And then there's another one called go to hams.
0: Yes. So they actually meet every day at eight. Yeah. Well on the internet, uh, you know, this way. Oh yeah. yeah, I know. Okay. I was like, wait, how does this, yeah, he. I guess he only does haven't... the Tuesday or Wednesday meeting for him. Well, that's once a month. Okay.
1: Or twice a month. I guess he has a board meeting and then a regular meeting, but, um, Yeah, no, they meet every night at eight, and there's a different person to be net net control. Right. And uh, they have a topic for the night. And sometimes the topic's about ham radio, but a lot of times it's not. Um, I remember one time I get to be net control once a month, which makes me very happy because I'm in training. That's my, my goal in life is to be a good net control. Wonderful. Um, my my subject was uh, what is the main reason that friends fall out of touch? You're out of friendship. Interesting. Which, yeah, and and they tend to do things that are, you know. what I was blown away. What was your favorite subject in high school? Okay. Well, I could tell I was a lot older than these people. They said typing because it was more useful than anything else. And I'm going, I mean, <laughs> I had a typewriter that went up and down, and I had been practicing the piano for four hours a day for 10 years, and the piano goes sideways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, typewriter. So by the time I get out of typing class, my ears and my shoulders were in the same spot. <laughs> can imagine lacking typing. It was the only non-A I got in high school, and the B was a gift. Oh, really? That was just a gift.
0: It like, I don't want to see you again. Just here.
1: <laughs> no, no. I, you know, they ruined my all A's, and I didn't. I hadn't learned it. I hadn't learned to She was kindly. She knew I was trying, but. Okay. You got another question?
0: The other one. So someone aspiring to be like you, successful businesswoman, many endeavors. What are some tips, tricks, or advice you'd give them to start on a similar path?
1: Well, what helped me the most was we did all that moving when I was little. And although my mother told me moving is fun and we're going to get to move to La La Place or whatever, mm-hmm. um, the people my age that I met at each new place um, were not very nice, particularly the girls. Okay. Boys, you could kind of understand, they would either be talk to you or they'd kick you. <laughs> And that was okay. So at least you knew
0: where you were. Right.
1: Um, So I ended up out of that being a tomboy. And really not caring what those girls were saying. Uh, Because I didn't get it. I didn't understand subtle at all. And it would take me, you know, about six hours later, I would go. She said that she meant that that's nasty, you know. Um, uh, so I think I just I uh, I'm not too worried about criticism. I like to learn new things. I know when I moved into the gardens, I was the first female nerd. They had a lot of bright women, but they didn't have any nerds. And now we've got
0: quite a few. Wonderful. So um i usually ask where can people can contact you um is there anywhere or any place people could maybe like send you a letter or something like a p.o box your ham radio whatever it is
1: yeah why don't i get why don't you give them my email address
0: perfect what's your email and then i'll ask um so they when the listeners can hear it and try to write it down and i'll uh, put that down for you too
1: Okay, it's my name, Marida Slabko. S-M-A-R-I-D-A-S-L-O-B-K-O at gmail.com.
0: All right. Yeah, that's what I have. I will copy that, and I'll put that into uh, the notes for everyone. It was an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you on.
1: Well, thank you, Josh. I don't know what useful things I did for you, but it was nice getting to see you.
0: It was nice to see you, too.
1: I know your dad
0: thinks you're super. Yes, he does. Well, congratulations. You made it to the end. You're a awesome person. Not many make it here. So being the awesome person that you are, can you do me one more awesome favor? Can you rate and review this on whatever podcast uh, services you're using? Um, app If you do it on Apple... Uh, and you leave an actual written review. Um, I have a thing on my website. I will take your written review and post it for all to see. Congratulations. You're permanently sealed on my site. Otherwise, um, I am trying to do YouTube more and live streaming. Um, I will try to put as many of the YouTube links in the description of the show as I can. So give your boy, uh, some extra help over on, um, YouTube, watch my videos. I I just mute it and change the channel. <laughs> Change the, the window or something. But yeah, um, that's it. Thank you for being awesome and see you next time.